0: Good morning, everybody. I really loved that time of worship, if I have to be honest. I can see a number of other people did with all the tissues and the tears, and it's wonderful. It really is. So uh, I'm just going to drift what I prepared just because I feel I need to. In other words, not go through what I prepared, but it's a similar subject. It's... It's trying to recognize the activity of God in your life and my life. It's trying to recognize the activity of God in the life of a church. What I mean by that is what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Bible uses the word anointing, what the anointing is doing. And it's very key because anything that is going to last into eternity... Anything that's going to be of any significance pertaining to the king has to be done by the work of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be done by man. It's done through man, I understand that. But the origin, the source, is the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so if we begin to learn to recognize that we can co-labor with God... Keep our focus in the right place and allow Him to do what only He can do. That's why Jesus spent so much time talking about the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, in many circles, the Holy Spirit is not spoken about a lot. But He is vital. And I say He because He's a person, He's not a force, He's not an entity. Is a person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if we look in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, when God was about to do something with the Israelites, he called Moses and he said, put certain, you can go read it in the Bible in Exodus 30, take certain uh, herbs and stuff and certain perfumes and put them together. Summon an acacia. And he told them how to do it. And he says, this is sacred to me. It's the anointing oil. And I want you to take that oil and I want you to put it on every single thing that I tell you to put it on. I want you to put it on everything that I make in terms of the tabernacle and the temple. That oil had to be put on. That oil had to be put on the priests, on their head and their hands and their feet, representing certain things. We don't have time to go into it. And right through Scripture, whenever God was about to do something in the Old Testament, He raised up a man or a person, a woman, and the Bible says somewhere in their life, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then something happened. So there was a preparation. You read of Gideon, you read of Samson, you read of Joshua, you read of Moses, all of them, no matter who it was, somewhere in their life, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them. When God, when the people wanted a king, and God said, all right, let Saul become king, the Bible says he took Samuel the prophet, he took a flask, and he poured oil on Saul's head to be king. And an anointing came upon him. That's the Holy Spirit that came upon him. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went. He didn't remain within us like he does today. That's why we live in such a wonderful dispensation of God because the Holy Spirit's with us always now. It's not in times. And despite, Saul went off the rails because he failed to recognize what God was doing and God was telling him and he was disobedient. So God raised up another man called David and they poured oil on his head at a young man but he only came into the fullness of it later on in life because God had to do some preparation in this man's life. So what I'm trying to say is the key and significance of any lasting work that God does has to come by the Holy Spirit. Has to. So even this morning in our worship, if maybe some of us from different backgrounds, which I understand, this is new to us, It's an activity of God that came upon a person this morning and a group of people that as we worship God, God said, all right, I want you to go in this direction and say these words. And it comes through a person, but the source, the activity, the origin is God by the Holy Spirit. You with me? It's very key. Because if we're going to be of any significance and bear fruit in the kingdom, and we've spoken about the kingdom, it has to be by the work of the Holy Spirit. It has to. So one of the important factors is, God, what activity of your Holy Spirit are you doing in my life and through my life? How can I learn to recognize that? then I go in partnership with you at your pace, at your timing, how you decide to do it, not how I decide to do it, despite my idiosyncrasies, despite my shortcomings, despite my unfaithfulness at times. That's the grace of God. Amen. So when Jesus walked on the earth at the age of 30, the Bible says that when he was baptized in the river Jordan, and I've got all the scriptures if you want me to tell you, I can. And as he came out of the water, the Bible says, the heavens were torn open and the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. And John the Baptist recognized it because he had been given insight that when you see this happen, that's the Messiah. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit on his life, as the Messiah and the Son of God to do what he was about to do. And then the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the desert where for 40 days and 40 nights he was tempted, but he withstood. And he just withstood by quoting the Word of God. It's amazing. And the Bible says he came out in the power of the Spirit. And when he came out, the Bible says he went into the temple a little later, a couple of days later, and they handed him the scroll in the synagogue and he opened it and the Bible says he unwrapped it and he was looking for the place that he needed to speak about and he came to Isaiah 61 and he began to read Isaiah 61 and he said the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me so the Holy Spirit came upon him and he uses the word anointing He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to release captives, to bring freedom to people. That's what he's anointed me today. And to declare the favor of God. And then he rolls it up and he gives it back and he sits down. And the Bible says everybody's eyes were fastened on him. And he said, today in your hearing, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today. Today. That's what he said. And then for three and a half years, he began to demonstrate what it means to live a life led by the Spirit of God, even as a son of God. Because he said, I do nothing, absolutely nothing, except what I hear my father tell me and except what I see my father doing. That's what I do. So he woke up every morning not knowing what the day was going to be like unless the father had revealed it to him. And so when he went around doing what he did, he did more ministry out of interruptions than anything else. Now, I know when I'm interrupted, I get irritated. I don't know about you. But it's amazing. He was interrupted. Wherever he was going, he was interrupted. But he realized to recognize this is my father's work, that he wants me to touch this life and touch that life and speak this. Yeah, Isn't that amazing, eh? And then when he was about to go, in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, he starts to speak about the Holy Spirit. And he says, guys, I have to go. Because if I go, the Holy Spirit's coming. And he's another counselor. That word another means he's exactly like me in every form and every shape, except you cannot see him. You see me. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you won't see Him. But He'll be with you always. He'll never leave you. And He will lead you. He'll guide you. He'll reveal truth to you. He'll direct you. He'll remind you of stuff I've told you that you've forgotten. He'll remind you. And when you don't know what to say, He'll tell you what to say. So He says, what I am to you today, the Holy Spirit will come and will be to you just like I am. But you cannot see Him as you see me and he will never leave you. I'll never leave you as orphans, he said. I'll never leave you as orphans. I'll be with you always in the expression of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And that's why he spent a while explaining to them who the Holy Spirit was and why he was coming. And he says, it's good that I go because I can only be in one place at one time. Confined by the body that I'm in. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's everywhere. So he can be in your house or my house at the same time. Isn't that amazing? eh? He can be in this church this morning and the church down the road as well. He's everywhere. But he's doing different things in different places. That's the beauty about it. And so, so many people are afraid of the Holy Spirit but it is fundamental to our Christian walk. Absolutely paramount to our Christian walk. And so Jesus began to explain how you'll begin to recognize what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. And it's important to understand that. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying today. Are you with me? And so I'm just going to quickly go through a couple of things and then we're going to do some allow the Holy Spirit to continue to do what he's doing. Hallelujah. Give him a little bit more space and room. Not that he doesn't have the space and room. So we'll just, all this hard work, I'll just lay aside if you don't mind. All right. So when the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says he will break the yoke. What is a yoke? A yoke is anything that hinders or binds or holds us back the Holy Spirit, the anointing, will break that yoke. Be it fear, insecurity, bitterness, grief, hurt, sickness, unclean mind, habits, whatever it may be, whatever's holding us back, the Holy Spirit has the ability to break that yoke that rests upon us. Now it's to learn to recognize when he's doing that because there's a season and time that he comes to do that. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring freedom and healing. And freedom is a key factor in the eyes of the Lord. Let my people go. Let freedom come. Why? So that they may worship me. When I'm not free, I struggle to worship God. It's for freedom that Christ came to set us free. Freedom is not doing what I want to do. Freedom is not being controlled by something. I am in charge by the Holy Spirit over all my, what's going on in my life. Who controls who? That's how you know whether you're free or not. Whether it be an object, a substance, or a person. It's to bring good news to the poor. A poverty spirit, a poor spirit is lack. There's a lack. And that's a work of the enemy where there's a lack in our life. To bring good news to the poor. To bind up the broken hearted. Those that have been broken inside. Broken, shattered emotions. Through trauma, through life experiences, through what's happened to you when you were growing up. How you were taught or dealt with or spoken about. Maybe somebody physically hurt you and it really shattered you as a child inside. The Holy Spirit can come and heal that to bind up the broken hearted. He can do it. We just heard who God is. He's bigger than what we struggle with. You've got to understand that. To proclaim freedom and release for those in bondage, to bring dignity back to mankind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What does it mean to have favor on your life? Favor is where you're drawn by God, or God draws people. It's a favor. It's like you see a rose and you go and smell it. The fragrance attracts you. There's an attraction. It's to recognize that. That's a favor of God on your life or on a situation or whatever you're doing. And people respond to it. You don't have to force them. You don't have to manipulate them. You don't have to control them. They respond willingly. That's what the anointing does. You're with me? It's to bring authority. Authority to those that are called to lead and authority over the demonic, authority in your life. It's to teach and inform us. But not only to inform us, more importantly, to impart to us something. So it's not just teaching in the mind. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get last week's teaching. It was outstanding. It helps in our weaknesses. How many know you've got weaknesses? It compensates for your inadequacies. And I have a couple of them. My wife has many of them. Now I'm teasing. All right. <laughs> to help in our shortcomings. To help in our funny ways. I have some funny idiosyncrasy ways. I don't like my hands, oil on my hands, or my hands dirty. I think I've shared that. So if I go out and eat and I have to use my hands, I've got a pile of napkins this high that I keep washing my hands. It's a you know, it's funny idiosyncrasy. But God loves it, so it's fine. All right. It's to bring joy. Joy. We need joy, people. Joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we need joy back in our lives. It's to release the priesthood. What does that mean? To release those that are called to be priests. And every born-again person is a priest of God in the New Testament. It's to release them, to empower them, to help them, to equip them to do to bring supernatural wisdom and understanding and counsel and power and knowledge. That's some of the stuff that the Holy Spirit begins to do in our lives and through our lives. I'll tell you a little story, if I may, and then I'm going to give you a key that's going to help you walk in it. And I I didn't have this this morning. I was saying, God, how do you want to do this? And then I felt God say something to me, and my wife went back to pray, and she came and she said, I believe God said this. And I knew it was right. So I really believe it's a key. A number of years ago, and I don't want to say how many years ago, because I don't want to give the person's name away, but it actually wasn't in this country, so it's many years ago. <laughs> we were in a meeting, and um, it was actually a youth meeting. And there were a number of youth there. And we had this one particular evening where the Spirit of God just came. It quite took us a little bit by surprise and just began to really touch these young people. And one of the young ladies started to shake, because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, sometimes there's a reaction. Not always, but sometimes. Some people cry. Let me ask you a question. How many people, when you walk through those doors, maybe for the first week, the second week, the third week, or the fourth week, somewhere in the first couple of Sundays that you were here, you just In the worship or in somebody was preaching, you just started to cry. That's the presence of God on your life. Doing something. That's all it is. Nobody said anything to you, but all of a sudden you just start crying. That's a good thing. It's a wonderful. How many of you, when you've come here once the first time or whatever, it's like you're just drawn. You can't explain it, you don't understand it, but you just feel Drawn. That's the presence of God. That's the divine activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. And so we were at this meeting and things just started to happen. Some people were crying. Some of these young people, some of them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can shake sometimes. Don't be afraid of it. You just can. You just, the physical body can't take what's happening. So it shakes or it, it reacts in a way just can't, because this is physical. That's a, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Almighty God that created the heavens and the earth, and nobody gave Him counsel is now coming upon your life, so your body starts reacting. Some people fall down. It's in the Bible. It just happens. doesn't mean it has to happen, but it does happen. Those are just the outward signs of something taking place. That's all it is, but we don't focus on those. Yeah, it's more important what he's doing inside than what he's doing on the outside. Far more important. So anyway, this particular young lady started to really shake and whatever. And so we had some young people come and say, we don't know what to do with this because there was a lot happening. We were trying to help everybody. And I said, well, why don't you take this young girl out and take her into There was a little room on the side and just go sit with her while she's shaking. So they took her out and they sat there and about, I don't know, a couple of minutes later they came back and said, we don't know what to do, but there's something happening there, but we don't know what to do. So Michelle and I said, alright, let us go. We went and sat there. And when we came in there, this girl at this time was about how old was she? 15? 15, 16? 15, and she was cold up a little bit, but she had her eyes open. And for some reason, by the grace of God, I realized she could see something, but not in the natural. She was seen through the natural. She was seeing something in the spirit. So I said to her, what's happening? What's happening? And she said, I don't want to come out. This is a fact. My wife, we can verify this. I, don't want I said, what do you mean you don't want to come out? She saw herself being born. And she said, I don't want to come out of a mother's womb because there's a man with a stick. And then she started to smile and I said, now what's happening? All I kept saying is what's happening? She said, Jesus is standing in the room. He says, come out, I'll catch you. And in what she saw, her eyes were open. She said, I said, what happens with the man in the stick? He said, now Jesus went over and took the stick from the man and broke it. She says, come out, I'll catch you. And then there was silence for a good five minutes, but her eyes are still open. And I said, now what's happening? She says, now I see myself sitting in this office. And she described the lady across the desk, the color of her clothes, the color of her hair, the shape and where her hair was and everything. And I said, well, now I'm starting to catch on. I said, well, where's Jesus? He said, no, he's standing in the corner watching and she said and I said now nah. and she said now nah. a couple comes into this particular office and I said and Jesus and says no nah, he's not happy he's not smiling anymore she was sitting at an adoption agency as a young baby and the couple had come in to adopt her weren't the right people But somehow, I shouldn't say it happened. They didn't adopt her. They left. And I said, now what's this? She says, I'm back in the same office. And she described the person to a T. And I said, Jesus says, standing in the corner, but he's smiling. And the couple that are walking in there, and they're signing papers and all. And now I said, oh, no. Now he's taking my hand, and he's leading me to the car. And I'm climbing in the car. And she described the car. Exactly, the make, the model, the color, the works. She described it. Her eyes are still open. And I said, where's Jesus? I know he's sitting in the back seat with us. And she's, I said, where are you? And she says, and we're driving. And then we get to this house. And when I got to this house, she said, I walked in and there was a young girl standing at the fridge and opened the fridge. And as I walked in, I said, where's Jesus? He said, he's let go of my hand. And he said, this is the place for you. And this young girl came over. It was her sister who was also adopted. Her older sister. It happened to be seven, eight years older than her. And she came and hugged her. And she described the people that had actually adopted her. She described the house and everything. I say this to say to you that that took probably, I'm short-circuiting it very shortly, that took probably an hour and a half. I'm giving you not all the detail. So when the night finished, I phoned the parents, and I said, this is what happened. And they said, well, you're telling us stuff that nobody knows. I described the lady. I said, that's the lady we went to to sign the papers. Now this is a little baby. And that young girl... She testified later, and what she testified to, what struck her more than anything else, was the hand of God. Because wherever she went, God held her hand. And she couldn't describe the incredible gentleness, but strength and might of that hand, and the hand that caught her when she came out of the womb. She changed. Because of her upbringing and before she was adopted and she was starved, so she used to take food and shove it in her pockets. That's what she did, even in that house until God touched her that night. Her palms used to sweat and her hands used to go all sweaty. And she used to take food and steal it and put it in her pocket because she had grown up without. from that night on, it went never again. Her sweatiness left her. Because Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted by the power of the Holy Spirit. God can do anything, people. We just got to allow him to do it. To recognize what he's doing and allow him to do it and not to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. I don't always get it right, recognizing what he's doing in my life. I'll be honest with you, this week was a tough week for me. I don't know why, maybe because of this morning. I have no idea. It was, it really was. I asked my wife, it was a tough week. I had a tough week. I just did. When I felt like depression wanted to come upon me. But I have the grace of God of standing here this morning because it's His grace. So I'm not immune to going through that stuff myself. That's all I'm trying to say to you. But I know in my heart that God does not leave us or forsake us. No matter what we go through. Because Jesus said, The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not. It's a promise He made. So, one of the keys to align what God's doing in your life to begin to sink into you and to begin to take root is your mouth. To acknowledge what he's doing. To declare what he's doing. So I would like to give those people that are sitting here that you've never declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Publicly. You know he's doing something in you. You don't understand it all maybe. But you've never in front of people said I love Jesus or I believe in Jesus or he's doing something like that. I want to give you that opportunity to do that now because as you speak it, because if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's a door that you open because Jesus doesn't come and force the door open inside of us. He says, I want to come in and do some work, but I need you to cooperate with me. And one of the ways you do that is by declaring it, by speaking it.